You are now listening to Memoirs of a Christian Minister with Cephas Crosslid. Hey everyone, welcome to my new show. It's it's going to be interesting. I'm basically going to go through just stuff that I know of in my head. Um, it's going to be hard to keep this show in a linear timeline. So there's going to be a lot of going in and out of different time periods and different ages, different seasons, moments. Right off the top, um, Cephas Crosslet is not my real name. It's a pseudonym. It's a ridiculous pseudonym. And this is a show I wanted to do because I have so many stories to talk about. I have so many things, so many memories. And so, of course, the pseudonym is, I, I explained this on my other podcast in my first show on the in, in, the, in the introduction. Um, I am a practicing uh, pastor right now. Uh, the things that I talk about, um, they're pretty private. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty, uh, there, there's some stuff that I feel that could probably get me fired or... Um, prevent me from getting any work in the future. So because of that, hey, I just put a pseudonym. I'm not scared. It's okay. It's 2020. It's online. Hey, look, um, if I ever get revealed or anything, I guess that's on me. But um, at least I get to just let it out, right? Instead of just holding it all in. So these are stories. Um, I want to say they're all true. They, they're based on true stories. <laughs> And I hope my memories uh, don't fail me. And if they seem exaggerated, I'm trying not to exaggerate. But of course, my memories might get the best of me and some moments might get the best of me and through bias. But I will try to be as honest and as you know real as I can. So you get to learn more about my life. I am a Korean-American. I was raised in a Korean church. Um, specific de de denomination was Pentecostal holiness. It was like a Pentecostal uh, hyphen holiness. And I got tons of stories to tell you. Let me tell you what. Um, gosh, where do I start? Where do I start? Well, if you don't know what Pentecostal church is, that, that, there's a great, that's a great place to start. Hey, welcome. A Pentecostal church, if you ever, if you ever seen videos of churches or like worship services, right? Um, and people are like dancing, like, like to the point where you're like, whoa, is that a party? Um, or other scenes of churches where people are praying and they're yelling, and they're, they're talking and you don't know what they're saying. It's almost like they're saying gibberish. Um, you know, like those TV channels that are Christian TV channels. And if it's super late at night or maybe in the daytime, they have like these infomercials, right? And like, um, oh, you know, holy oil, you know, and like if you if you buy this, it could heal you. You know, all of that kind of theology, it kind of is informed by a Pentecostal type of theology and what that is, is is mostly a focus on the, the Holy Spirit and the works of the Spirit. 
and in general to the la- to to the to the average person who doesn't who doesn't know anything it's a whole bunch of stuff about things you don't see okay <laughs> like think about like oh it's the spiritual world and then these this group makes something out of it like they they literally they they create guidelines they they try to put it in a box neatly packaged for people who are into that kind of christianity and i was born into that kind of christianity so the 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 church the christianity that is quiet you go sit in your pew uh you open the hymn book you sit down and during prayer it's all in silence i kind of wish i grew up in that kind of church but i didn't um so like millions of other people out there i grew up in a pentecostal church pentecostal um theology is old it's one of the big ones um pentecostal denomination is pretty huge all around the world um there are you can see you know you can see you can see aspects of pentecostal theology all over uh in churches all over uh, just because a church doesn't do uh, things that most Pentecostal churches do doesn't mean that they don't, you know, practice or live out certain types of things from Pentecostal types of worship, right? So um, we're just going to go through all of that kind of life. So basically... This is like a show where you get to get a deep dive into, in my view, the crazy side of Christianity. (laughs) And actually, not the super crazy. It it could get crazy. Gosh. Um... My... one One of the biggest memories that I have of growing up when I was a little kid... It was just the the Korean church and just how they prayed and did church. As a kid, it scared the crap out of me. I'm not going to lie. And I went to a, one of those big Korean churches. It was a big Korean church. There was a lot of people there. A lot of people were into that kind of stuff. And it's the type of prayer where, where I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's praying in tongues. Um, I'll go through it with you. And, and I'm, I'm not ashamed at all. Um, in Back in those days, uh, let's say 80s, right? Mid to late 80s in Los Angeles. These Korean churches, um, they were like, there was a movement going on, right? People were catching this movement. They were saying it was catching the Holy Spirit. It was a movement of the Spirit. And they focused on the spiritual gifts. And if you are truly saved, right? If you're truly saved by God and you are truly forgiven by Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit, then you should be baptized again. You're like, what? Yeah, it's in the Bible, but it's... It's weird, right? Baptizing the Holy Spirit. And it's 
evidenced, the evidence that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit is the gift of tongue. And if you don't have the gift of tongue, then it's one of the signs that you do not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now you're wondering like, why do I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I thought I just needed to get baptized to get into the club. Yeah, that's what most people thought too. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got to do this other thing. And yeah, it's in the Bible, but it's like, I want to say it's kind of weird because, it, it, you know, the, it's not like, it's not just one thing that they show in the Bible. It's both. So we don't know what to think. But Pentecostals hold on to the, the fact that, not the fact, but they hold on that you need to show this sign of speaking in tongues. And this is kind of like the major sign. And so growing up in that kind of church as a little kid, it was freaky. Because I don't know if everyone had that. Now that I'm much older, I've been through it. By the way, if you, yeah, you probably haven't heard my other podcast and I talk about it. I not only grew up in this Pentecostal church, I became a licensed minister in this Pentecostal church. I became an actual pastor. And so that's how I just talk about this so freely as if I know it. Because I literally was trained in it and I taught it. So that's what it is. And it's it's interesting when you think about it. I'm I'm thinking about the the prayer services I used to go to, and my parents, they were part of that one that I, I believe it was like the third wave of immigrants from Korea or a second wave, and and these were people who didn't have a community to belong to. I mean, I'm pretty sure they had people, they had family, you know, they knew a few people, but when you're immigrants. You don't know much. You're in a different land. You want to get plugged in. You want to know if there's other people from the mainland. You know, it's it was hard, I bet. So why not join this church that has people like you who immigrated in, who got the citizenship and, and you know, went through all that like you, you know, who's trying to make a big like you. And so my parents grew up in that. I don't think we were that poor. I, we were middle class, I believe, like low, low middle, lived in an apartment. Uh, we knew a lot of people in that church who were super rich, like just Benzes, like that's all they dro- drove. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> like when you're a little kid, you don't get it. You know, you're just like, oh, they just have a bigger house. I don't know. Um, and, you know, so it was it's interesting thinking about all those people in those prayer meetings, those prayer services, and they would always turn the lights down. And imagine, okay, just imagine going into a church, a big church, and it's packed with people, right? And you're just hearing a lot of commotion. It's almost like it's a party. It's rowdy. Like you're like, is there fighting or is there a boxing match? People just yelling. And you're as you're walking up closer and closer into the church doors, you, you go, you open the church doors, and as you open the church doors, it just gets exponentially louder. As if the doors were holding in and and just soundproofing all of that. And the moment you open the doors, it's just loud. Not only is it loud, it's dark. 
but you could smell the sweat, the musk. People are praying. They are working out their faith in there. But as you are walking, there's a few lights here and there because, of course, you got to see where you're going. People got to go to the restroom and it, it, it's it is a it is a circus. It is a show. And l- listen, I, when I'm talking like this, I, I please understand. I do not mean any disrespect. I am not trying to insult. This is just sheerly my perspective and my experience, my thoughts that I had back then and as I have today. And I'm not passing on judgment. I'm not saying that is a wrong way to live. It might be right for, it's it's right for a lot of people. So that's all I'm saying. But it was musky. I thought it was weird. I, I always thought it was weird because it's like, you pray and pray, you're, you're crying out. You're, you're literally yelling. He's like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And it's like, eh. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you um, stop that momentum, right? A prayer, like just pushing, pushing strong and yelling. And what is the moment you're like, oh, shoot, I got, I got to pee. And you, how do you stop that prayer? You're yelling, you're yelling, you're yelling, you're yelling. I'll be right back, God. Do you do that or do you do one of these where you're yelling, you're yelling, God, I love you. I got to pray and I'm praying. And do you do a little decrescendo and I'm praying and I'm going to, ah, thank you so much, God. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 And you slowly walk up and then go to the bathroom. There's a lot of different things. I bet you never really thought of that stuff. I think about these weird things. And I've always thought about these weird things as I grew up in this kind of church. And and I'm so happy I get to share it with you. Because as weird as it is, if you just turn it off, I don't care. At least I get to let it out. It's very cathartic. Very therapeutic for me. But uh, imagine, and, and you're walking. Imagine you're the kid. You're me. You're walking through this dark service you see other kids but they're sitting with their parents but it's dark their parents are either on their knees yelling sitting down rocking back and forth so that this is this is kind of the mannerisms of a pentecostal korean church at least back then uh you're either you know sitting indian style you know crisscross applesauce you're either on your knees you know um uh either with your heels you know up and your toes you know curled in or you know toes flat out and you're just sitting there um shoes off of course korean church um you don't take it off at the door but you know you take it off where you're sitting i believe and so uh not only do you smell sweat as you're walking around you smell feet because shoes are out everywhere everyone's out everyone's yelling you see kids but you're scared because you're like what the heck is going on and you know at this point you're used to it but it's still kind of like oh it's prayer time it's prayer time oh oh it's it's serious time and imagine just literally walking through a sea of people in pews either in the aisle so they could take up you know so they could have some room and they're yelling they're praying their hearts out where are they praying i don't know but it's very, it almost feels like it's very remorseful everywhere you go. There's a lot of remorse 
There's a lot of regret. There's, there's a lot of um, guilt. And people are like crying. They're losing their voice. They're screaming so loud that the, you know, you know, like when you scream so loud that it is no longer like this, you can hear your voice, but it's almost, oh it gets raspy. And then you could, you could hear it kind of moving in and out of the voice. And it's like, you could hear them losing their voice. And if you come earlier, you can hear the sermon, and the sermon is definitely a guilt-driven type of sermon. And you're just like, wow. Way to set the mood, pastor. Not only that, the music is blasting, right? It's the piano, it's the organ, just, just holding those notes, just... Like each measure is like, is like literally like 15 seconds each. And then you, you, you switch the chords. And I don't know organists out there who were into these services and they had a, a format, but it's literally, I feel like they were playing um, Amazing Grace at like super, super slow speed. And they were just kind of just. And that's like the only place with the light on. You're like, man, the mood is set. And not only that, the organ is blaring. They got the volume loud. And the pastor's in the front. Screaming in the mic. And so all you hear is distortion distortion amen hallelujah it's literally like an engine revving up and it's like it's scary as a kid going through a prayer meeting like that where they're speaking in tongues and um speaking in tongues is very interesting as i i was growing up i was like the praise team leaders kid. So I was in those kind of meetings where they would be taught, you know, different ways to, you know, teach, you know, the church. And it's very interesting. I remember how they would teach people how to speak in tongues, which is a very interesting concept because I, I always thought it's not like a learned thing. It's something that you receive, right? Or it's like, the Holy Spirit touches you and you get this gift of tongue. It's not something that does it. But, you know, they didn't say it was learned. They were just saying this kind of helps you. But, you know, you can't, you can't just say that. You know, it's it's either you're you're doing it and you are pushing that agenda so that you can experience it or you're just letting it happen to you. And I feel that this church was trying to push the agenda and trying to make people do it. And the fact that they're doing that and having these kind of meetings just shows that they were just trying to get people to believe in this stuff, like buy it. Like they're just trying to see if people could buy this and join the church. Uh, why else would they just keep talking about how people should really try to get the gift of, you know, speaking in tongues? And if they don't, oh, here's a way to help. And let me tell you, here's here's one way. They would say, you have to speak, oh, the you know, speaking in tongues is a heavenly language. So you have to speak in heavenly ways. And one way to speak in heavenly ways is to say the word hallelujah. 
keep saying hallelujah over and over and over. And it's interesting. I listen, this is this is what was taught. And if this if you if you know what I'm talking about, please message me. So I know that you're out there in solidarity. I witnessed this many times. My dad would teach people this. I remember going to Korea once and my dad sat my um one of my uncles down and I was like, hey, you know, receive the gift of tongue. Here's how you do it. And he's like, I don't know. And he keep on saying hallelujah. Over and over and over. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Right, right? Hallelujah, 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 That's literally what they taught. I'm really not trying to be funny here. I'm not trying to be offensive or insulting. I'm telling the truth here. This is what they taught. La, 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 la. If you ever heard that kind of spiritual speaking in tongues, um, I am willing to bet a lot that that the source of that came from that kind of that era where that kind of teaching was happening. And the, the normalization in Korean churches of la, 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 la as being kind of like your generic speaking in tongue language, I have a strong suspicion that it, the source is in that, in the 80s, when it was happening and that was being taught. It's hard seeing people, they really want the gift of tongue and they go through so much, they go through every length just to get it. And, and so to the point where it's like, yeah, yeah, give me the secret. I want a secret. I want to learn tongue. Man, flash, you know, jump to years later as I was older, right? And I was, you know, I in college and, I had a friend and he was in a, one of these, re, you know, revival meetings where they were like, you need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he was trying to speak in tongues. He was genuinely seeking it. And it was, it was so messed up. It was one of these revival meetings where they just want to kind of like show everyone and encourage everyone. And so they would pass the mic around. And then as my friend was trying to speak in tongues, you know, as genuinely as he can, he was he sounded he sounded ridiculous by the way. I was kind of laughing. It was it was pretty it was pretty humorous. But he was like he was like and they would teach him, you know, just stop thinking. You're you're thinking too much. You need to let go. Stop thinking about being embarrassed. Stop thinking that, you know, what's going to come out of your mouth is uh, if it makes sense or not, just let let it loose. Let the spirit, you know, move your lips and your tongue and just, you know, let the spirit talk through you and speak in your heavenly language. And my friend Mind you, this is a, a jump ahead in my life, okay? When I'm older, college years, and this is my friend, and he was in college, and he's genuinely seeking God, and, and he's in this service, genuinely, he's like, oh, I need the gift of tongue, because that's what they said. And he he kind of, he finally lets his inhibitions go, and, you know, he, he, he was, he did what they said. He stopped thinking about what was coming out of his mouth. He stopped thinking what other people would say. He didn't know that they were going to put the microphone on his mouth when, you know, when he was doing this. But at the moment, he let go. And it was funny, but it was messed up. He goes in the middle of this revival meeting in front of all these young people. He goes, <laughs> I'm sorry, he did that, right? 
But the messed up thing is they literally put the microphone up to him as he was doing that. And so imagine worship music, like meditative prayer music playing. And then all you hear is. (laughs) You can see people like they, they stop praying. They open their eyes like, what was, what is that? All right, let's flash back to to when I was younger. It is sad. And when I think about that, people did that as old as they were, as accomplished, as rich, you know, as settled into the, the States and in their life as they were, they would succumb to this sort of peer pressure where a big group of people are involved in something like this. And they all are passionate and the emotions there the 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 momentum's there with all these people and just it just happens and i was in the thick of that i grew up in the culture of speaking in tongues i've seen so many uh right in front of me that when it happens when it when i was when it happened i would it was always in the back of my mind I was like is that real i don't know is it real I even think about my parents to this day and it, it, it kind of hurts me to think about it, but it's like, they speak in tongue till this day. And I'm, I don't know what to think about that. Like it's, that's my parents, but it's like, to be honest, I'm like, I got to question it. Like, do they really have the gift? I don't know, but maybe, you know, they do. Other people might have the gift of tongue or maybe they were one of these people who felt like they were they were able to control it and, and then they got it through these different approaches and then kind of made it their own. And then now they're, they say they have the gift of tongue, but do they really? I don't know. It's, it's an interesting concept to think about. It's very interesting. It's very, it was a very interesting um, childhood. Because, yeah, I mean, I was basically a pastor's kid. You know, I was a praise team leader's kid, but then became a pastor's kid as my dad was commissioned to plant a church. So in my household, it was speaking in tongues all the time. Not not like, oh, hey, pass the butter, la, 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 la. It wasn't like that, okay? But when it was time for prayer, when it was time for, you know, oh, I got hurt, you know, and oh, man, they would throw, they would toss around this phrase a lot. Uh, Yesufi, right? The blood of Christ, the blood of Christ, and man, it it will be flung around so much that it's like that was the go-to remedy. <laughs> not a glass of water, not a bandit. It's oh, Yesufi, Yesufi, the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ. Um, yeah, it was a wild one. It was a wild one. <laughs> have you have you uh are you listening to me and you? been through a similar thing like this possibly you didn't and you were kind of the opposite you it was a more subdued type of christianity um kind of jealous of that but yeah these meetings were rough they they weren't even like a 30 45 minute one hour prayer meeting these went on for hours like people would take breaks 
it it's very it, it it would be very interesting. People would take breaks. They they would pray for like forty minutes. They would come out to go to the restroom. Oh, they would see a friend as you know as they were going in between the restroom and the water and back to prayer. And they would be oh ho ho hey how you doing? And then they would you would talk in the breezeway, and I'll, I'll be like oh that's interesting. While me and all the other kids. We would kind of just kind of play around the church, just kind of messing around because we had nothing else to do. Imagine you're a kid and you go to these things. And they don't have anything set in place for you to like play or do anything. It's just kind of like, oh, just stay. It was crazy. It was so crazy. Um, yeah, praying in tongues is nuts. I I have a lot of um memories of that. It's interesting when I moved up to um, plant the church. Uh, when my dad planted the church, I visit. I was more part of a um, non-Korean church, uh, quote unquote, a white church, right? And they would speak in tongues, but it was interesting because they would have a different kind of language of speaking in tongues. I heard the uh, generic la 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 la, but now it was more of man. It was like I was like, wow, they they have a totally different kind of twist to it. is It's pretty interesting. Like I want I want to do a study of you know people speaking in tongues from different cultures, and you know just just see the differences. And certain similarities in them. That would be a great little study. It's very sacrilegious and irreverent, but hey, that's kind of like me though. And I think, I think it'll be hard to find people for that subjects for that kind of study. Because like, how can you tell people to forcibly start speaking in tongues? Like, start praying in tongues right now, so I could do a study on you. Like, that's that's kind of messed up, right? But wouldn't that be a great study? Like. Like, let's say Christians from Africa, right? Maybe their speaking in tongues has a different kind of, like, shape to it, right? Of course it would. So, yeah, um, compared to, like, Koreans who are, like, definitely have, like, Korean types of, of language kind of dialect built into it. Like, pretty crazy. Um, yeah. Hey, um, let's take a quick break and um, show some show some support for my show and some of these sponsors. And then we'll come back and we'll see what else to talk about. The funny thing about speaking in tongues and my experience is that when I got into Bible college, I went to like a non-Korean Bible, not that there is an all-Korean Bible college in America, which... Pretty sure there is, but like it's probably one of those really small ones. I went to a four-square denomination Bible college. It's called Life Pacific Bible College. It was in San Dimas, California. And that was another Pentecostal church denomination. So they were all about speaking in tongues. And it was interesting because when I met people from other churches that were Pentecostal, you know, they did similar things, but what I noticed and something that was really interesting was one of my teachers, he was the Greek language teacher. He made a joke and 
other people in the class started chuckling and he made a joke about speaking in tongues basically and he was like talking about uh we were i believe we were in the book of ephesians or i believe the book of we were studying the book of romans and i don't know what it was that or it was i don't know we were basically studying stuff right in greek and he referred to the gift of uh, speaking in different tongues and then when he referred to it he goes he called it the chandela chandela train and i was i just could not help it i was like are you kidding me because i knew exactly what he meant because i didn't have to ask because it's it's one of these speaking in tongues languages right listen i hate doing this because it seems so messed up but I'm just going to do it just to give a sample of what it is. Because I, I do believe, listen, I believe that people might have the natural gift of tongues. But what I believe more, more is that a lot of people who claim to have the gift of tongues have learned it. And if you learn it, doesn't necessarily mean that you are given it. No matter how many hoops you want to jump through from point A to point B, from not having it to having it, whatever happened in between there doesn't matter, okay? So these people, they go, Shandala, 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 Shandala. That's one of the ways that people speak in tongues. As I did before, it gets, it gets, oh gosh, imagine growing up in that. It's crazy. But yeah, I just wanted to point that out after the break that it was, it's interesting that I found similar kind of, kind of confusion. You know, the, the, the fact that the professor made that joke, it, it also kind of showed, you know, there is, there was that nuance that it's something that we just don't get, you know, and you know it's it's kind of humorous too, you know, like, and I think so very much. I think it's dangerous when a church, like a whole like denomination of theology, says like the true um, evidence, right, of being born again by the Spirit is speaking in tongues. Because look at what we see in the book of Acts. And I'm not going to go over all that stuff, but that's what they believe. Is that because they see this in the book of Acts and a few other uh, passages that you cannot be a spirit-filled Christian unless you can speak in tongues. Imagine the guilt. Imagine the, just the anxiety of not being able to get into that club. Because you don't, you don't have this special gift from above, right? Imagine that. But imagine more, you know, as a little child, I saw this. I don't think I saw it as people were faking it as much. Yes, that was always in the back of my head. Listen, as a kid, it's hard. Especially your parents are doing this. And you're like, you're like, is that real? Right? When you're a little kid, you look up to your parents, you're like, is that real? Like, what am I, what am I experiencing here? 
It was such a trip as a kid, just growing up in that kind of environment. I want to just say that it means a lot to people when they quote-unquote receive the gift of tongue. And I find it amazing that when they do it, at least when I saw it, they would go up to the front for some reason and they would just like spit it out like on the mic. And you're like, what is this, a show or something? Like you, I understand you want to motivate people and kind of make them feel good and encourage them to receive the gift of tongue because for some reason, listen, this church I was involved with and, and that there's a lot of this all over. Not only can you learn the gift of tongue, but you can be open enough to receive the gift of tongue because as long as this and that, as long as you do A, B, C, and D, okay, like, I don't know, I'm just making stuff up, but it's similar. It's like, you know, have an open heart, make sure you live a clean life, you know, pray every morning, you know, this, this, this many times, make sure you're in the word this many times, whatever. And then you'll be open to receive the Holy Spirit. And then you're like, wow, I, I didn't know there, it was so easy. Like, okay, thanks. You know, it's this club. And imagine not being able to receive the gift of tongue. Like you try so hard, but it's something that is so easily faked. So I'm, even to this day, I don't know how many of those people were faking it because of the peer pressure. And, and, and listen, when you start, let me tell you something. I faked it for a long time. I talk about this in my other podcast, but I faked it for years, okay? You don't get it. Look, when you there there's two there's there's a few aspects about speaking in tongues and being fake, you know, and and you know, there's there's a part where you want it to be genuine and you want to do it. But then there's also the the guidance and the leadership. The way that they present it it's almost as if they say, hey, you can attain it. You can obtain it, right? Not as, oh, you can just freely receive it. It's, no, you can obtain it. And, and they don't clearly say that. But the reason why I say that it's, it's clearly implied there is because why else would they give ways to learn how to speak in tongues easier? Little, little um, prescriptions, right? Why would they help you, you know, help you out? Like, hey, here's how you can be open to it. And it's like, if it, you know, it's like when I was a youth pastor, it was sad because I had this kid there and he really was genuine. Like you could tell in his eyes that like he really wanted it because he saw his friends speaking in tongues at the age of like, you know, in a teenage years. And even to this day, it's like, I, I want to really, I want to interview those kids and like, be honest with me. Like, did you really speak in tongues? Be honest. And even to this day, be honest. Or was it just peer pressure? As simple of a concept and as thrown around and, and as kind of dead and not as loaded as the word, the, the phrase peer pressure is these days. Man, that is some huge work. That the it is something big. It does a huge work on someone. It really does, especially people who are desperate for a relationship, desperate for um, recognition, like the recognition of oh yes, I do have the gift of speaking. I do have the filling of the Holy Spirit. So that's one of the aspects of speaking in tongues is is the aspect of the peer pressure 
And it's interesting because not only is there peer pressure, it's known to be a peer, because you would go in, everyone's speaking in tongue. Let's say you're just a newcomer and you don't speak in tongue. And you see this crowd of people during prayer time praying loudly. And it's almost as if they're just letting out their steam, like letting out their frustrations. Really, that's what, at the end of the day, I feel like that's what it is. Listen, the reason why I feel so freely to talk like this about it, because I feel it's not okay to have this kind of theology or this kind of understanding that church and prayer, you need to do this kind of prayer all the time, like screaming, like straight up, like from the bottom of your gut, just wrenching it out. And the reason why, my dad got a freaking ulcer for doing that his whole freaking adult life. And just to think that other people are still doing that. And what I'm talking about is literally praying and yelling every time you pray. Like yelling at the top of your lungs because Jesus did it. Like Jesus cried out or in the Old Testament, cry out to me and I will, you know, hear you. You know, whatever that verse is, this show is not about trivia, okay? And that practice of yelling every time at prayer to kind of what, to, to show that you mean it, like you're, you're that desperately, you know, you, that's how bad you want. That's how you should pray. My dad had a, he had to have a surgery because of that at his old age, because he's been doing it. And think about all the young people around the world being taught this way. You're teaching people to literally do that. And then every time they do it, they're teaching other people and people getting ulcers. Even worse than that. Imagine the, the psychological kind of thing it does to you, thinking that you know a connection from you to the divine, it has to be in this shouting mode. I think it's really dangerous and that's why I talk about it like this because I don't appreciate it I used to do it and it's like it's literally a shouting thing where you it's like you 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 know how when you pray it's basically what you think your thoughts you kind of go <laughs> you're basically going through like a checklist of your day and it's funny because this whole praying out loud thing you could see it even in like churches who aren't Pentecostal but they somehow like they took this weird practice of you have to pray out loud i talk about this in my other podcast but this ain't my other podcast so i'm going to talk about it here it's like at the church that i serve at right now it's like even at the other churches i go to during prayer time like we have a meeting and we want to pray it's like they have to pray at least they have to be audible and it's weird i noticed this at the retreats that we did the meetings, you know, you know, all these things. When we end it and we say, oh, let's all pray together. What they mean by that isn't, oh, let's all pray together. And you just kind of, you pray. It's more of, oh, let's pray together and make sure that we hear each other. Yeah, no, seriously. So it's like they pray and I don't know what it is. But it's like they have to hear themselves pray. It's either they have to hear themselves pray or other people have to hear them pray so that you can, I don't know, motivate them or kind of show them it's time for prayer. Or I, I, I don't know. 
or maybe you have to pray out loud because God can't hear you if you think your prayers in your mind. And and what I think is is that you know Korean churches and Korean Christians they have this reputation. Not all of them, but a generalization, a stereotype of Korean Christians is that they yell when they pray. And it, it, it's a kind of they do it in a positive way. They they look at it as a positive way, not yelling out of anger or aggressiveness, but it's a positive thing. As in, look at how dedicated they are. Look how passionate they are in their prayer. You know, they wake up at five in the morning and they do prayer, morning prayer, and they yell together in prayer. They scream their tongues together, and it's like they're speaking in tongues and they're screaming it. And it's like they have this reputation. And my sort of theory about it all, about why when you go to churches and they do it, you know, they pray out loud in Korean churches. And I, I don't know if they do it in non-Korean churches. I don't know why. But what I notice is this in just about every Korean church I go to. The reason why they pray, you know, not yelling, but at least they're, they're talking out loud. And you're like, whoa, why are, you, why are you audibly praying, right? Is I think that a lot of Korean people they find their identity as a Christian and the fact that 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 global identity of a Korean Christian is that it's the yelling and the passion and, you know, the grit, you know, the prayer life, you know, the discipline, blah, blah, blah. I feel like people who do that, somehow they have ingrained that in them and, and somehow they take that. Because they have no other identity other than, oh, I'm, I'm a Korean Christian. And, oh, if this is what people say that we are, yeah, I like that too. Oh, I'm not an extreme like them, but I will pray out loud because I like to pray out loud. I don't know why. I learned it from KCCC or KCM. These are college ministry, campus ministries, by the way. And these sort of teach, they don't teach this, but they, they do it there. And so other people do it. And, you know, different, different communities of these types are different, but... For the most part, that's what I see a lot of. And l- let me give you a sample of it. So let's say you finished talking about uh, setting up an annual event for the church. And a few of the ministers are around. And a few of the volunteers. And it's a leader. And it's a leadership meeting. You're talking about the, the big parts. And you finish the meeting. And go, okay. Um, now there's a few ways you could finish this these meetings. We could all each say one sentence prayer, right? There's a few of us who don't want to be too long. Or, you know, we can all pray together. And usually it's at these points that when when they ask me to lead, I say, because of my experience and history with all that kind of prayer, like, oh, let's all pray. I make it a big point. So you want me to lead prayer? I will gladly lead prayer. Let's do prayer the non-crazy way. So I just say, hey, let's all quietly, and I always say in silence, take a few minutes, take a minute or two to pray and reflect to God about whatever we're talking about here. And, and if we as one can, can agree and be in unity of it, you know, that's my prayer. And then that's how I lead prayer usually. And it's funny because when I say that, I say, okay, prayer time. People get so awkward. It gets so tense. Like they're they're not used to it. They're not used to silence and prayer. And it's like they, they need music. 
And that's a whole different conversation. Like, like people have been conditioned to the point where they cannot pray with other people around unless there's noise. And isn't that sort of sad? Like, wow, you are impaired of prayer. And not only that, I think it's because they automatically, these people who pray usually are Korean, they or influenced from Korean groups, they automatically go to a mode where they have to pray in audibly. Not yelling, but they have to talk their prayers. And I think if they do that and if there's no background noise, then it gets awkward because then you could hear the private prayers. And I'm just like, yeah, you pretty much you're you're letting people hear your private prayer to God. So so it's your choice. If you want to do it, then do it. And it's like these people, like, it's funny because some groups is like, okay, let's pray. One of the people in the group, they pulls out, they pull out a phone. You're like, what are they doing? Oh, let me, I, I got my Spotify. Here's some worship music. And I'm like, wow, did they really just do that? Hey, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been in the, any Bible study meetings or stuff like these days, that's what people do. And I'm just like, is that necessary? And so what happens is people start praying loud. And you're like, why, why you, I don't need to hear that, you know? But the, the thing is, you could tell is that when they pray loud in these, and I want to say these are Pentecostal-esque because it is informed by that kind of expressive outwardly thing. Because usually when you pray, you just kind of pray as a group. You just kind of keep to yourself. But the, these types of prayers is like, you can't pray your private prayers. Think about it. If you're talking out loud, you are conditioned to pray out loud, like audibly. How can you talk about, oh, <laughs> private matters, right? No. And so what happens is they end up becoming these kind of generic, you know, pull them out, you know, get them from the store. They come in a can type of prayers. And you're like, why are we even doing this if, if these are not, like, and I'm not going to say, oh, generic out of the can type of prayers are not real prayers and they don't have any content or substance. No, no they do. But I'm just saying, like, if you're going to pray out loud, that's what you're going to pray? Okay, I mean, I, who am I? Right. But here, here's a sample. We finished our meeting. All right, let's pray. They turn on some music. And then it's always like, it's always quiet. And it's always that one or two people who are just... I hate the fact that it's quiet in this prayer meeting circle. I'm just going to start it. I'm just going to start talking. And there's, they go, Father God, Father God, Lord, Father God, Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry. These are the three words that you hear a lot. Lord, Father God. And it's like, don't tell me you didn't do it. If you, if you were one of them, it's like, Lord, Father God, Lord, Father God, I want to just thank you, Lord Father God, that you gave us this time, Lord Father God, to go over this church matter, Lord Father God. And I pray, Lord Father God, at this time, may you just give us, Lord Father God, a blessing that you would get. And, and this literally goes on for like, I want to say it goes on for more than two minutes. I have a feeling it goes on for longer because literally when you pray like that, when you pray out loud like that, you run out of things to say literally after like, 40 seconds, I feel like after 40 seconds. And if you've been doing that, you pray all the really good prayers, <laughs> you know, like the big ones that, you know, and then after that, 
It's just kind of like a slow downhill. And unless you know how to pace your wording, if you're talking out loud and kind of talk a little slower, not spew them all out at once, you could probably you could probably elongate that prayer another few minutes. But I, it's so interesting because after that, you're you just go over kind of like the the checklist and like, oh, and you know, bless this guy and this guy and that guy and this girl and that girl and you know, help us get it and check, you know, protect the people of this church, you know, and then you just, now and then you start like grabbing at the air for just like, oh, I just need to find a prayer, gosh. It's like why you gotta make it so complicated? You just pray in silence. No one needs to hear you pray. No one is asking to be motivated or encouraged to pray. If you pray out loud, oh, I'm motivated, pray out loud. What is that going to even do? (laughs) What does that even do? Look, I'm not against praying out loud, okay? But it comes to the point where it, it only happens because one or two people are just frustrated of the silence. And I don't think that is a justification to, hey, let's make this a loud praying prayer circle. It's literally like one or two people, they're just they're just like, ah, I'm, you know, let me just take this step because these other people don't want to be leaders in starting a prayer circle. So I'm just going to start talking out loud and start going, Lord, Father, God, Lord, Father, God, Lord, Father, God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, God. And then, oh, another person does it. You know how like those movies, like one person claps, you know, and then other people clap and it's like that, right? And that's what they want to do. It's like, oh, I'm going to start it. And seriously, that's what happens. And you're just like, ugh. And and I've come to the point at these at, in these days that when that happens, I just keep to myself because like in those prayers, who is actually going to open their eyes and look? Oh, who's praying? Who's and even if they do, it's like don't do that to me. I'm not a freaking little kid or so. You don't need to monitor me and make sure I pray. The thing I I feel like a lot of these Pentecostal Korean churches they do this stuff, especially in the leadership. You know why? It's because I've been trained this way. I, I, I went, I've been through this. They literally said these type of things. They, they say, you need to pray out loud because the other people, the congregation members don't know that you're praying if you're just up there, just quiet. They might think you're sleeping. And I'm like, are you serious? So it's like, you need to pray out loud. And I'm literally, this is what they teach in leadership in Pentecostal churches. If they are of a certain ilk of Pentecostal family. Uh, and this is, this is how they, you know, if you're not praying out loud, if you're not crying out loud, how do they know you're praying? They might think you're sleeping. And so you need to pray out loud. You, it encourages them, you know, it, it encourages your spirit, you know, it helps your spirit. It helps their spirit. It's just good. So just pray out loud. And that's how, because Jesus says so. And you're left under this thing where it's like, okay, you know, what do I do? Do I pray out loud literally for like the whole 20 minute prayer meeting that we have? Or can I just pray out loud for like two minutes, take a break, pray out loud again, take a break. It's crazy. It gets crazy in these Pentecostal prayer meetings, like dark, you know, barely any lights, super dim. And like people are yelling for like minutes and then they stop and then they start singing like loud. And you're like, you're like, man, I know these people want to worship God and just let it out. It's it's almost like it's a let out like a type of meeting, really. The fact that these people just yell and they justify me and it's like they 
I want to be careful because I don't want to come through as so judgmental, even though I am right now, because I don't agree with it because it is dangerous, but I get it. It helps people. And it is a spiritual kind of practice. It's just very strange. And growing up in that kind of world, it was very strange. Not only that, becoming a leader in that kind of world, doing those things and teaching others to do the same thing was even more strange. When I got out of that church when I was older, I just stopped because I never really spoke in tongues. I faked it. I faked it to make my parents like me. I faked it to make girls at church like me, thinking, oh, this guy's spiritual. I faked it for the, the pastors to approve of me. Oh, he is really spiritual. He can do it. The embarrassment, the regret, all the bad stuff is still in there because I did that. But it was the peer pressure. It was the need for acceptance and recognition because I was conditioned to look for those things to make me feel in those ways in this specific Pentecostal Korean type of household and culture that I was raised in. And so, no, you know what? In the end of the day, I, I don't have anyone to blame but myself because I chose those things. But I do want to say that I, not, I was influenced greatly. I was very naive. I was very dumb. And, and I feel I was very stubborn as well. And so when I was in it, I was in it. I, can't, I couldn't believe I was in it. But yeah, uh, speaking in tongues, growing up in a Pentecostal church, you got to believe this will not be the only episode that I talk about speaking in tongues because there is so much more. Um, and I haven't done a sample of it for you guys other than the hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah thing. So, hey, you know, maybe one of these days you can get out of me. Look, thank you so much for listening to my first episode, actually. Um, I do have another podcast. It's called Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslet. And that has a few episodes. Uh, that's a whole different show than this. This is more of a show of me reminiscing and me putting stories together. These, these are definitely based on true life events. And so um, thanks for joining me. You can email me any questions, any messages, comments, feedback to... Memoirs of a Christian Minister at gmail.com. Thanks so much for joining me, and hopefully, I can record a few more soon and talk to you later.